Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. not spoken about as much is when the social nervous system, that first rung of the ladder, when that's under threat. And so that's really what I think is kind of the missing link in a lot of money conversations. So what do you know about the social nervous system? Our guest in this episode, Hadley Hagen, is a nervous system educator and money coach and explains that she believes your social nervous system is the missing piece in making sustainable changes in your money life. So what does that mean? Think about all those interactions online and offline that influence how you save and spend your money. What's at play? You guessed it, your social nervous system. When you try to override with like a budget or a strategy and a lot of things that traditional personal finance tells you is the right thing to do, it won't work (laughs) because the root is that your social nervous system, your nervous system is kicking up into a response that will protect you, but doesn't necessarily align with the part of your brain, that executive functioning part of your brain that is in charge of budgeting and and following that as a plan. Curious, isn't it? So let's talk about this. Let's talk about what your social nervous system is, how it gets activated, 
ways you can proactively calm your social nervous system down, and why the social nervous system disproportionately affects women. There's a lot to dive into here. Let's get talking. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited, and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com etm to get free shipping and 
365-day returns. Quince.com slash ETM. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. And <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. Hi, this is Elton John here. Throughout my U.S. tour last year, we heard from thousands of fans that financial security and financial planning are hugely important to them. So important that David and I are continuing this vital conversation into 2023. Together with the Alliance for Lifetime Income, I'm spreading the word about the importance of protected income, which is money you're guaranteed to get. Like me, I'm sure you have big plans for your next chapter. Protected income from an annuity helps ensure you have all your bases covered so you can have the financial freedom to tick off your bucket list. The first step is to decide what's on your bucket list. Then meet with your financial advisor to ask if you have protected income and get their help making a plan that fits your unique financial goals. Join me and my friends at the Alliance for Lifetime Income. Together, we can help make financial freedom in retirement a reality for more Americans, starting with you. Go to protectedincome.org today. You know, we've, we've done a lot of shows on, um, on this podcast about mental health and kind of all different topics around mental health, everything from you know, anxiety, how to train your brain to reach uh, money goals. But we've never actually chatted about something that's very interesting, which is why you're here. It's this idea of your social nervous system and how that's connected to money. I've got a lot of questions for you. So, you know, just to start us off, Hadley, like what in the world is our social nervous system and how does this thing work? Yeah, our social nervous system is like the first rung of the ladder of our, our nervous system. And when we feel safe, it's really this abundance zone for us. And 
It's where we can access new possibilities and brainstorm and connect with people and really in this zone where we feel the most ourselves. But when we sense a threat, often then you hear about going into fight mode or flight mode in the sympathetic nervous system, which is kind of the next rung. And then also the third rung is going more into the parasympathetic nervous system, which is normally known as the rest and digest, but also is a part of uh, protecting yourself from a threat when you go into the freeze response. But What's not spoken about as much is when the social nervous system, that first rung of the ladder, when that's under threat. And so that's really what I think is kind of the missing link in a lot of money conversations because this social nervous system is really this part of connecting with other people and sensing, do I fit in here? Do I belong? And then really can impact unconsciously how we behave in our relationships and how we behave with money as well and what decisions we make with money. And the thing that is so important about talking about this is not only that it's unconscious. So if you go into one of these responses of the social nervous system, which we can talk about, it's not you're choosing. It's not that you're choosing it, but it's automatic. So really when you try to override with like a budget or a strategy and a lot of things that traditional personal finance tells you is the right thing to do, it won't work <laughs> because the root <laughs> is that your social nervous system, your nervous system is kicking up into a response that will protect you, but doesn't necessarily align with the part of your brain, that executive functioning part of your brain that is in charge of budgeting and, and following that as a plan. So I'm all for budgets as well, but I think it has to go hand in hand with this nervous system work and especially for women, the social nervous system, because it disproportionately affects women as it was developed as a part of the bonding between mothers and, and their children as forming that safe attachment. So that can really affect women in how they interact with money. Mm -hmm. Oh, tell me a little bit more about that because I think that's that's really fascinating. You know that it it affects women more because of this bonding. Like, I dive into that a little bit more for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, because of the as women and being disproportionately impacted because of how it developed to connect with children, then that is a part of kind of how women walk through the world a little bit more of looking mm. at how are am I fitting in or how am I accepted or how am I in this larger system of the people around us? And you'll hear a lot of women say, oh, I'm an empath or I'm highly sensitive. And I really see that as being connected to this social nervous system aspect of really being able to scan the environment and understand maybe the unsaid things of the room. So it really can be a superpower as women because we maybe are more attuned to the connection between people and, and with other people. But on the flip side of that, it also maybe means that you might be more self-conscious or insecure about, oh, am I fitting in or am I accepted? And then that can impact your money. I think a big way is around earning. So not wanting to rock the boat when it would come to asking for something that you want at work, whether that's 
a pay increase, a, a new position, more time off. <laughs> or I think also in terms of spending, if you maybe feel like you need to go above and beyond and pay for everyone because you want everyone to love and accept you or you feel like that's a way that you can belong is by being really generous and, and paying for others. Another way is maybe that even kind of brings in some codependency where you then are so aware of the needs of everyone else around you that you put those before your own and end up deprioritizing your own financial needs before and paying for everyone else. You are like definitely speaking my language right now and speaking to me <laughs> directly because I am, uh, you know, I think anybody listening who might know me is like, oh, that that pretty much is Shauna. I'm I've always been told that um, I'm a bit of like an intuit and um, that I, that I am a bit of an empath and I can, I can really feel other people's feelings. And, and sometimes people will say to me, like my husband and I, we have this conversation all the time and he's like, well, if I'm in a bad mood, why do you have to be in a bad mood too? And I'm like, I don't know how to explain it to you. It just like, it feels like part of my, of my DNA. But, you know, it's interesting when you're talking about this and kind of how how this this model of a person shows up. You know, when I was um when I was little, I I got this idea that um that money was about status, right? You needed to have all these things and like drive a nice car and like live in a nice house and that it was very much like a a status kind of statement. And you know, as a kid, I did a lot of things to like try and be the, you know, quote unquote like you know, cool girl or the one that everybody wanted to be friends with. And I didn't know at the time because I was so young that, you know, that's, that's what I was, that's what I was doing, you know? And, and the reason why I was doing it was because I, I had this kind of money story that was passed down to me and um, I was just kind of modeling what I saw. So I think it's really interesting when you talk about this idea of a social nervous system and how that then, you know, kind of I guess helps us show up in the world and and you know I I'm thinking that also I would imagine that you feel a lot of this in your body but because a lot of it is kind of subconscious or unconscious like you're not you're not really conscious of you know or have a good idea I should say of like what's going on like I think when I when I get scared or nervous about money and I'm paying attention like my heart rate speeds up and you know my hands get you know kind of sweaty and I just, I don't feel good. So, you know, I'm wondering when somebody's in, in this place of the, the social nervous system kind of acting up, like what, what's really happening with, with our bodies? Like, is there a way for us to be aware that, okay, we're, we're actually like in this state and we need to pay attention to it? Yeah. Yeah. So when the heart rate really kicks up and maybe your breathing shortens, that's really getting into that sympathetic nervous system, really into the, the fight mode or the flight mode as well. So these things don't necessarily happen separately, right? We can kind of ebb and flow between these nervous system states and a healthy nervous system does that, right? It's not like we don't ever want to get into the sympathetic and it's just that we don't want to get stuck. <laughs> and right. Which yeah, happens so a lot of the time. And I would imagine for like everybody listening, they get stuck there. Yeah. And I think in our culture, the sympathetic nervous system, like that fight mode is what is really put up on a pedestal. Right. And I think 
just kind of playing with it here, I think as a part of the social nervous system, when you see other people that are like always pushing and always like going after the next goal. Or I remember when I was in my corporate job, everyone else ate lunch at their desk and while working. And <laughs> right. I was like, no, I am like taking a walk and I'm eating away from my screen. But there was a part of me that was like, I am being a rebel right now because I'm not working through lunch. And how might that make me feel if I'm not in that pushing and that drive of the sympathetic fight mode all the time and I'm taking time to get outside and reset. And I think that's like one reason I'm so passionate about sharing this with people is because I think the norm of whether you're at work or your friends or kind of like there is such a emphasis on pushing so much that it can feel rebellious to do your own thing and to say like, okay, even though I notice this desire to fit in, which is a part of the social nervous system, there's two responses when you're feeling under threat in the social nervous system, it's fitting in and fawning. So fitting in is pretty clear, like you just kind of do whatever you can to belong in amongst a certain group of people. And if you think about it, you know, like many, many years ago, if you didn't fit in with your tribe, well, yeah, then you weren't safe. You could have, you know, not had your basic needs met. But nowadays it's it's different, but it can be a maladaptive part of the nervous system to not necessarily understand modern times. Like our nervous system is kind of stuck <laughs> in those prehistoric times right. a little bit. So we just having that like understanding of how our responses are can be really helpful. So yeah, there's the the fitting in response and then the fawning response, which is they're they're closely tied, but fawning is more like when you just want to appease the threat or people around you so that you can be accepted and feel safe. So it it's yeah, it's not ever rocking the boat. It's putting everyone's needs before you and it's doing that as a way to find safety, but as like a huge cost is like you lose touch with your own voice, you lose touch with your needs. Yeah. I'm stuck in I'm stuck in fawning it feels like all the time. I mean, it's it, and it's it's weird because when you talk about kind of these different, you know, fitting in and fawning and all these all these different things, it it feels to me, I don't know if this is the same experience to you, but it feels like something that's just second nature, almost like I, you know, um, like I can't can't control it. You know, it's it's really interesting when you feel like something is like so much a part of you. But when you talk about this idea of fitting in, I'm thinking, you know, particularly when it comes to our money, that you know, when we're in this place and our so social nervous system is activated, you know, this might be right why why we make certain decisions with our money that we know maybe aren't good for us or maybe are, you know, at the detriment of some of the other things that we want to do, like some of the goals we're trying to get to or whatever it might be. And so we can get off track, I would imagine, pretty easily. Like, tell me a little bit about how it how it then comes in and, and really kind of impacts, you know, what's happening with our with our money. Yeah. Well, I think one classic example could look like the keeping up with the Joneses, right? So maybe racking up debt to buy certain clothes or a car or a house to have that status to appear a certain way. So that's one way. I think also 
it's paying for people when you don't actually have the money to pay for other people. It could look like I've heard for from my clients that when they have money, they just want to give it away because they see other people need it more than they do. And it's like, well, I have more than I need in this moment. So I'm not going to save. I'm not going to invest because these other people need it more. And I can, my money can go further now if I just help them. And it's really, I think, a way to move out of that one in particular is seeing how we are a part of a larger system and putting the weight of the world on ourselves as individuals is a lot to carry and not the way that we can really make the biggest impact. So there's there's that flip side also of, I think, recognizing that that's like a really like genuine and good characteristic and way of being. But your strategy for taking action on that could be more successful if you're able to meet your own needs first. Yeah. Okay. So, so you, you talk about strategy. So I'm, I'm interested in this. If we're in a place where we know we can figure out that the social nervous system is, is activated and maybe we're making certain decisions, how can we, um, how can we kind of proactively work to change this or like catch ourselves in these moments so that, um, you know, maybe we make decisions that are going to help us and not, not hurt us along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think just having this awareness of fitting in and fawning and just knowing when you're doing it and not making yourself wrong, but just noticing this is like an unconscious pattern that I have. And <clears throat> excuse me. And just noticing this is an unconscious pattern that I have so that then when there's awareness, then there's opportunity to make a new choice going forward. And a lot of the time it, it could be seeking out support from other like-minded people that maybe are experiencing it or confiding in someone about it saying, hey, I really noticed that at work I'm like putting the needs of everyone else on the team before me. And that's really affecting my ability to show up as my best self and really not burn out and be able to keep performing at this level. And I think coming together and instead of having to have shame around that, like hide that and make it seem like something's wrong about you, connecting with other people as a first way to remove some of the, the shame because shame is really when you make something that's wrong about you. And then that kind of pulls you away and more isolation and kind of just sitting in that. So hearing this new information or kind of hearing it in a new way isn't then to use it as a way to judge yourself, but it's a way to <laughs> then see like, oh, I'm like fawning or I'm fitting in and then connecting with someone like, hey, this is what I'm doing. Have you noticed this? Does this happen to you? I think that's a, a really good first place to start. But then also, I believe that having that strategy side of it is also helpful. So for example, if you tend to pay for other people when you don't have the money, like, okay, having the awareness that you do that and that's a response of the nervous system, great. Kind of next level is maybe you set a budget where this is the amount of money I actually have to pay for a gift or pay for my friends for the month. And 
just set that intention of staying within that for the month and practice what you're going to say. If it gets to a point where you feel like you might come into that situation again and you might have that unconscious behavior where you pay for everyone, practice ahead of time, like have a script of what you plan to say. And even if that means you have to have someone help you write it. So you feel prepared before you go into it. Cause it's really about setting ourselves up for success. It's not like, Oh, okay. I'm going to do something different this time, but I don't know what I'm going to do. It's like, just make it really clear <laughs> about what you're going to say. Um, and then also in terms of like giving, if you find yourself like you're giving money away to a lot of people or like you get overwhelmed when people come to you for... Talking about money is hard. You know this already. All over the world, people are taught to never talk about money, politics, sex or religion in polite company. On 50 Fires, a podcast about money and meeting from executive producers Chip and Joanna Gaines, host and financial conversationalist Carl Richards will remove money from that list by having frank, funny, and often difficult conversations about money, the kind we're all told not to have, with guests from all walks of life. In each episode, Carl will invite a new guest to answer the question, what does money mean to you? Their answers will reveal much more than their attitudes about money, spanning revelations about identity, community, faith, family, and the true meaning of wealth. Tune in to hear deep conversations about money and the meaning it holds in our lives. You can find 50 Fires on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Want to know the number one money question I'm asked? It's how to get started investing without being overwhelmed. So if you're asking yourself the same question, then you have to check out the Investing for Beginners podcast. The hosts, Dave and Andrew, they break down investment terms and strategies in a way you can finally understand. I love that they're making investing accessible and they have an entire podcast dedicated to helping you invest better. Even if you're not ready to start investing, they explain the stock market and financial updates so you can really understand what is being said on the news. If you're ready to learn more about investing, I'd recommend you start with two of my favorite episodes. Listener Q&A, how do you start investing with a thousand bucks? Where they explain how you get started right away. And back to basics of building your portfolio, where they explain how to build a portfolio from scratch. The Investing for Beginners podcast is a great way to start expanding your relationship with money. Find Investing for Beginners podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become mentally stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. Um. 
for charity or donations, create a giving plan and say, okay, I'm going to give away X number of dollars per month or, or this year. And this is my priority of who I'm giving it to. So when someone comes to you and they say, hey, do you want to donate to this cause that, you know, then they pull at your heartstrings and like you really want to, but you can say <laughs> that I really would love to, and I see the value in this cause. And I, I will write that down for my giving plan for the future, but this year I'm prioritizing X, Y, and Z. So really just mm, having I a like little that. bit of structure around some of these things that you know you do. So it's just, yeah, first step obviously is that awareness and then thinking ahead of time to set yourself up for success. So you're not relying on yourself in the moment to do something different, but you have a plan and you have some of that structure and strategy in place. Yeah, I, I really like that. The idea of kind of like creating parameters for yourself where you can feel like you could be successful. I talk about I like to do a annual spending plan and I'm definitely not the the like budget making person because I, I feel like they're flawed and the reason they don't work is just we're, we get into all the nervous system kind of levels and uh, you know, it, it's just um, I think something that in our society kind of has this, this bad rap and it's like hard for us to kind of get around it. So I like this idea of creating an annual spending plan where you like thoroughly write out all of these things like you're talking about, you know, if I'm someone who wants to give to charity or maybe I do want to take, you know, my friends or my family out for, you know, a couple meals, you know, what does that look like and how can I break that down in a way that I feel like I can achieve that without having to kind of micromanage my money? But I think what you're saying too is that, um, you know, it gets you in the right mindset that you can still do the things that you love but you can do them within within kind of this bubble or these parameters that are also going to work with your money and in turn going to just help your 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 body and yourself feel like it's you know kind of a good comfy place and you know I would imagine that um, you do this work because I, I would imagine you probably have experienced a lot of what you're talking about here like your own social nervous system kind of getting activated and then you've probably seen how that interacts with your own money. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit, Hadley, like about your your own money story and kind of how you came to this idea of connecting the the social nervous system with money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just want to add one more thing is like when you're talking about the spending plan, that's no different than boundary setting. Right. And it's like we I feel like it's pretty popular right now in like personal development to like learn how to set boundaries. And that's exactly what a spending plan is with your money. It's just like a relationship. So just thinking of it that way, I think can be helpful too, is like, oh, this is almost a boundary setting with money or a boundary setting within myself, which can really feel like very much like you have your own back in a really confidence building way. But yeah, I'd love to share a little bit about my story and yeah, the social nervous system has played like a huge role in my life and I didn't even know it, you know? Um, so I was really, I think a very common story that we hear a lot is like the good girl conditioning, the people pleasing. So just the, the dynamic that I had in my family is I was the good girl and I felt really like I had to be perfect and was very high achieving and very much learned to 
identify myself with external achievements. And in school, you know, from kindergarten on, that meant getting straight A's and (laughs) then getting a job and landing that right away. And then that the grades just kind of translate to money, right? Is like, okay, now I'm getting an A if I'm making a lot of money. And and if I'm really excelling in a career that looks very impressive to other people. And I think that that is really the path I followed. And I think it's hard. It's hard because there are a lot of people that have can struggle with even getting education and then even landing the job that I had. And so I I have this like internal conflict within myself sometimes of I had these things that so many people want and then even getting to the place where I had checked off these boxes of what our culture tells us will bring us success and happiness dang, like that's not even it. (laughs) And especially (laughs) because if you're doing it from a place where it's outside of yourself, like I was, where I had these interests and things that I didn't pursue. And then through the social nervous system and always looking outside myself as to how can I people please and how can I get the job that will impress my parents and how can I make my boss really happy at work? So everything started to be about how can I make the people outside of me happy? And the thing is, though, is I'm not even saying that's the highest cost that I paid. The highest cost that I paid was losing track of what I actually wanted. Because Mm, in the process of learning how to make decisions about my life based off of what other people wanted me to do, I never learned how to figure out what I want and then if that will even make me happy. And I think that's really the biggest cost is, like, I think it's it's pretty normal. Like, my story isn't that unique. Like, it's really normal to, I think, as women to be looking outside ourselves, kind of do the traditional thing, da-da-da-da-da. But it's like, okay, all right, got that. How do I now figure out what I actually want? And I think- Yeah, that's tough, right? It is tough. Yeah, it's tough. And I think that it's also like just a part of life. And I think money can play a big role in it, right? Because like the undercurrent of that whole thing about appeasing other people is also that has a financial reward to it. When you are following- the rules. There are a lot of benefits to that. Like, okay, a good girl starts investing in her 401k the minute she gets a job. Even if you don't know what it is, that's just what you're supposed to do. So I did that, right? (laughs) Like, (laughs) um, you're supposed to stay in a job and, and not quit and like stick with it because you can't quit if you don't have a job lined up already. Just like some of these really big narratives that I just was like, okay, that's how it is. I need to follow that. It did bring about rewards because I was playing by the rules. It brought about external rewards, but there wasn't a lot of like internal 
happiness and satisfaction and joy. And so I think that that's really what I come back to now is I think that money can be used to create a life that you love. And you can make transitions in your life if you have a story similar to mine, or even if it's different, but your relationship with money isn't one that is leading to a life that you love and that you enjoy waking up to. I believe like there are ways to take steps to transform those things so that you can be in a place where everything feels more authentic to you. But it does just come back to that authenticity and learning from an early age to sacrifice authenticity for safety, for connection, for fitting in. And then that translates to money. It's so interesting as you talk about this idea of like rules, right? I'm using like air quotes around rules. And I'm always like, who made up these rules? <laughs> Where's the rule book that we, especially as women, that we're all, you know, following? Yeah, that you just kind of have to stick through things and that you have to make other people's happiness more paramount to your own happiness. And it really takes a while to try to even unravel that. And, um, you know, certainly something we're talking about on the pod a lot this year is this idea of authenticity and and happiness and what is it really? And, you know, how do we move through kind of all of the messaging that's just happening out in the world that's kind of coming at us all the time that feels really hard, especially with money to just kind of like trudge, trudge through. And, and one of those things, because we do live in a very kind of scarcity driven society. I think you you talked about this a little bit a little bit earlier. We're just constantly getting the messages that we don't have enough, that we aren't enough, um, that we have to be something different or make more money or have a different career or whatever it might might be, that it's really hard to make that choice of like, yeah, I'm actually happy or I actually feel good where I am. And so I feel like a lot of us operate a lot of the time in in states of fear, just you know, to whatever varying degree uh, around money. And I'm wondering, you know, when we're in um, a fear state, particularly around money, do you have any uh, tips or ideas for us? Like, how can we, how can we recognize that we're in a fear state and maybe start to even recenter ourselves just so that when we make a decision around money in particular, we aren't making it from this kind of fear perspective? Yeah, I think- what you mentioned earlier is tapping into those sensations. So noticing, okay, my heart's pounding, my my throat's tightening up, my my breath is changing, or if you're defaulting more into a, a freeze response, like you're shutting down, you're getting really tired. If you're noticing that you're having a conversation about money and that those sensations are happening in your body, the skill of recognizing those sensations is called interoception or mindfulness. Ooh. And okay. when you- I've never heard that term before. Yeah, it's is like it the- Introceptiveness? Wait, say it again one more time. Interoception. Yeah. Yeah. Interoception. It's the ability okay. to okay. kind of know how you are feeling inside from the inside out. And so it's building that skill because then you notice like, okay, I'm shutting down right now. This is not the time to have this conversation with money uh, about money. So it's really, if it's with another person, it's taking a step away. And I think you also like learn about yourself. Like, okay, if every time you look at your bank balance, you feel yourself kind of 
have anxiety, how can, again, how can you plan ahead to set yourself up for success? Because, okay, you know you're going to respond that way. How can you do things that will just make you feel more comforted? Maybe that's having another person there to help you, like a coach or a friend. Maybe that's creating or like for a spending plan. Like if the idea of creating a spending plan like makes you freaked out, how can you like take yourself out on a date to your favorite restaurant and and make it make your spending plan at the restaurant? Like how can you do these things where you can bring in some of the really feel good sensations and things you like to do with some of the more difficult stuff around money. So it doesn't always have to be like hard. How can you even if it's like lighting a candle or kind of setting the right. the mood to be relaxed, you know? So that's like an, another thing to do is like A, that interoception, B, setting yourself up for success and like bringing some of those like feel good, more pleasurable things into the setting with money. And then also I think then when you feel yourself coming back into more of a neutral state, it's just looking at what's the next best thing that I can do. You don't have to look mm, at everything. Like you don't have to like tackle everything at once, but a lot of the times overwhelm is what's setting our nervous system into an activated state because it feels like you have to do everything. But really it's like what's the next best thing and that momentum will help mobilize you out of a uh, threatened response of a response where you don't feel safe and into actually the healthy sympathetic nervous system, because that's where like a lot of drive and motivation come from is in that, that fight response when it's healthy. And then also the ability to like discern and make decisions is the healthy part of the, the flight response. So it's really being able to mobilize and take action even if it's just one thing at a time. So those are a few things to keep in mind when you feel I like love, you might be activated. I love that. Yeah, I love that because, you know, we traditionally talk about money like, oh, we got to have these like big goals and like these big, big things. But really what I've found uh, myself after working with clients for 10 plus years and with you know, over 900 interviews on this show is it really is like this, the secret of success is really these small, like moment to moment choices and decisions and thoughts and things that you're doing. That's really what is going to kind of get you to that place you want to go. Um, and I just, I'm just so, so happy that, you know, you've, you've been here and kind of introduced this idea of a social nervous system. I certainly have never thought about it from this perspective. And now I can see like, oh, okay, yeah, I do that. I do that. I do that. And so, you know, I think for me, it's like, it's going back to this, this idea of moment by moment and kind of setting up these, these parameters for success. And I'm wondering, you know, if, uh, if we could just take away like one action step or one thought pattern or something you really want us to remember about this idea of our central nervous system and, um, you know, how this impacts our money, what would you, what would you want us to remember? Compassion, I think is the most important thing to remember. And just knowing that there are a lot of things that are unconscious in our decision-making and behaviors with money that if you come at them with this like aggressive, 
intense approach, that actually won't help you move forward. It's really softening and having that compassion and building up more of a fault tolerance. So if you make a mistake, you know that you can move forward and learn from that and that you can have a growth mindset around it, that your past doesn't predict your future. Like you can take what you've learned and know that you are only going to be better because of that. And so I think building up that that fault tolerance of, hey, it's okay that like I maybe didn't have this figured out on the first go. And that's really going to expand your nervous system's capacity to do more. Because if you are really hard on yourself and just knock yourself down, that's not really going to start to create a more healthy relationship with money. But when things happen, if you are able to start with that compassion and attune to your nervous system state. So that's really how I see compassion is having that interoception and then doing what you need to do for your body in the moment to bring yourself back to a place of safety before moving forward. So that is kind of, yeah, the the compassion is the most important thing when you are truly ready to make changes with your money, because without that, it's really not worth doing. This message is really powerful that Hadley wants you to remember, to tell your nervous system that everything is okay. Your mistakes around money, those are okay. You don't have to live in fear or regret. And for all of those fellow people pleasers out there, just like me, you can let go of pleasing everyone for everything. If you want to connect with Hadley, you can go to her Instagram profile at had.hagen Or you can go to her website, hadleyhagen.com, where you can learn all about her events and coaching. So if you enjoyed this episode, share it with five friends right now who also need to really understand how their social nervous system works. As always, you can head to the show notes for all the links to our episode guest, as well as the sponsors who make this show possible. I'll see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode. We've all spent more time with family lately. It can feel like old times, but your mind is on the future too and what you can do to shape it. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work with clients to help them grow and protect their money with wealth management, trust services, and insurance so they can enjoy today and ultimately pass along their wealth. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your dreams. Visit sandyspringbank.com wealth. Wealth and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed, and may lose value.